Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Okay, well, this morning I'm excited to share about growing in boldness for Jesus and for the gospel because we've entered into a season, especially with our country, and I think the whole world, where people who had been lulled to sleep by comfort and just by normal life, things have been shaken. And you know, before, one of the ways they make ripe apple trees fall off the tree is to shake it first, then it comes right off. So whether you're like a nine out of 10 and boldness already, and you're sharing Jesus at the fast food counter, or if you're a one out of 10, you know, to where you've been working at the same place for years, and people around you still don't even know that you're a Christian, my number one goal for this time together is that you would actually forge ahead by the Holy Spirit, because that's always the fruit that follows the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whether it's praying in tongues, prophecy, it was always boldness. So, and so again, I'm Eric. Uh, this is my wife and best friend on the front row, Joy. And uh, I've told her, because she's been such an important part of my life and helping me become the man that I am. Uh, if she gets an unction of the Holy Spirit to come up, that's a hot mic right there. So if you do, honestly, I just really honor and revere the things you have to say. So um, there was a little girl who sat down on an airplane And she was so young, she couldn't even read. So she just had this Bible that had pictures in it. And she loved it. She would just kind of flip through it. What just so happened that sitting down right next to her was an atheist college professor. You know, he just kind of looked over and he noticed what was going on. And, you know, he's thinking about how students in college, a lot of times, you know, they're just kind of easy pickings for him. So he couldn't even help himself. He just kind of leaned over and said, does that book that you're reading, does that tell you how to go to heaven one day? Well, that little girl just looked him right in the eye and said, yes, it does. You know, he was a little surprised. He said, well, how is that? And she just said real clearly, if you say with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So he kind of felt a little nervous because he's like, she didn't even blink when she said, you know, she was looking right through him. And then she went on to say, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father except through him. So he kind of thought to himself, well, the front door approach didn't work. I'm gonna try maybe a back door approach with this this little girl. So he said, do you think every story in that book really happened? She kind of thought, yeah, I think so. We said, do you really think that a fish swallowed a man He was in the stomach for three days and then just happened to spit him out at the right place. Do you really think that happened? And she thought about, yeah, I do. And he said, how could you actually know? And so she said, well, maybe when I get to heaven one day, I'll ask him, it's Jonah. I'll ask him if that really happened. And he said, well, what if Jonah's not in heaven? And she said, oh, well, then you can ask him. So, <laughs> right, so, and actually, even sharing that story you know, as an example of boldness, that's actually a technique 
that I'll use in my CPR classes because I'll go into places that are secular businesses. I always share in the class the testimony that God did for me that you know I sold all my CPR mannequins in 2011, went to a church that was spirit-filled, believed in the power of God, and they did discipleship to really teach me about the techniques to walk in healing and how, you know, I'd sold all the mannequins, couldn't do the classes anymore, but now I've actually been off medication for almost four years. Doctors are saying, hey, they don't have a cure for that. Yeah, so, you know, today, like, <laughs> yeah. And I really do because God sent his word and healed me. So I've actually made a little uh, business card with my testimony on it that sometimes if I'm just not feeling the unction to talk, you know, if I'm exhausted, that's just an easy way to sow seeds as a testimony, and it also has the gospel on that thing. So I think one of the best examples in the word of God of the gospel is the nets that they would throw out to catch fish. So and kind of an interesting thing, I'll just kind of pique your curiosity. You'll have to go search out the answer but the first time Jesus had them do the miracle of catching all the fish, the nets broke. But the second time that he had them cast out the nets, the nets didn't break. So I'm gonna give you a little Holy Ghost rabbit trail to chase sometime. Why did they break the first time, but not the second time? But with God revealing himself through nature, one of the things as a fisherman myself, like, one of the ways you can catch bait is to go out and it's called a cast net. And it's like a big circular ring and you've got to really throw it out a certain way so it opens up. Well, sometimes you throw it out there and it kind of folds in half and you don't, you don't catch anything. You're like, oop, kind of flopped with that. But with practice and with doing it over and over, it becomes more natural, it becomes something you do. Well, I used to just go out to a pond and I'd throw it out a hundred times, just kind of randomly out onto the water and you know, maybe catch a few fish here and there. And I feel like that's a picture of sharing the gospel because one time I was just sitting there and I hadn't really caught anything. And the Spirit just brought to my mind that verse that talks about cast your bread upon the waters. Because interesting thing, when you toss some bait out on the water first, what actually happens? All the little fish actually start going up to it. Then you take your net and you can throw it on top and all of a sudden you start having more you know, success as you're doing it. So with the gospel, I think, and um, the cool thing I feel like sharing this just with you know, having friends that uh, you know, go here, and this is like really a family thing. I see people who do this so well and so naturally, and my, one of the things I like to do is go out to do, whether it's evangelism or just spending time with somebody who's a natural evangelist, because that's gonna become an outreach if you're bowling or no matter what you're doing with them, but you kind of learn from them how to be bold because do you realize the people that are in your circle of life and in my circle of life, we might be the only exposure that they ever have to the gospel. You know, they may not come in here. They may not feel the presence of God, but in that sense, like that casting the bread on the water, I think that is when God gives us a prophetic word for somebody or like this, you know, a good trick Rodney taught me is if you just ask somebody, hey, can I pray for you? Almost always somebody's gonna pour out something. I mean, it's a very rare thing that somebody's like, no, 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 I don't have anything. 
So there's these things and there's these techniques we can do to throw the bread on the water that draws people in. Because Jesus said, don't rejoice that demons are cast out, you know, by, you know, by his name. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So see, the emphasis is salvation. It's not, oh, hey, I healed, you know, this many people, or, you know, I prayed for healing. It's not that I gave this many. Those things are important. But the key thing, Jesus is like, rejoice that somebody's name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And so kind of an interesting thing I learned during this time, and, you know, Joy was, and I were kind of studying some different things. She always looks at the Greek words and the Hebrew words and things. But the word for casting out of a demon, just out of curiosity, if anybody knows that, does anybody know what that is in the Greek? So I think there's actually ministries. So it's ekbalo, which is like a forceful, you know, that demon wants to be there, but there's this like forceful, <laughs> he needs to be thrown out. Like, kind of like a person not paying their rent, you know, get evicted. <laughs> but guess what word Jesus uses when he tells the believers to go into all the world to preach the gospel. It is ekbalos. It's that same word for casting a demon out, for telling us believers, well, go out, preach the gospel to the creatures. Because here's the thing, every time we share the gospel with somebody, we're actually stepping into partnership with the Holy Spirit. Because there's no perfect way we can present it that it's gonna convince you know, that person that, oh, that, I mean, we, Thing is, it's only by the Holy Spirit that any person can say Jesus Christ is Lord. And I think one of the reasons why I felt passionate about evangelizing or just doing a small thing in an unction and obedience to the Holy Spirit is because actually last night, I felt like the Lord spoke this kind of a new thing to me. He said, Eric, it's not a mango seed, it's a mustard seed. You know, mango, that's like a four or five inch thing. It's like, that's what I sometimes think. Like, well, I need to have everything in, in order in order to do this or be successful at it. But my, so from about the age of four to seven, I was actually living in a house uh, being raised by um, just my mom and my older brother and sister. They were having parties and drink. You know, it's just kind of like, there's kind of a lot of dark things that were going on. Well, it just so happened one night I stayed the night at my grandma's house and it was at the same time that my cousin Christina was there. And, you know, she, my aunt and uncle, they read their family Bible stories every night, church every Sunday. It was just, you know, weren't allowed to watch TV. It was just a really holy place. Well, guess what the Lord used for her to minister salvation to me? Like, kind of like one of these things, it's the only way I think it could have gotten my attention at that age and the I used to ride my bike around. I was using dirty words. Call I mean, I was just kind of a rotten kid. But she and I were like sitting there, and guess what we were watching? Something I know she definitely wasn't allowed to be watching. It was MTV. And I can remember to this day, like, so that would have probably been five years old. So that's over 30 years ago for me. I can remember vividly there was like this lady dressed in rags, and it was like the screen was red, and you could see flames and she had this like sponge that she was trying to just like squeeze a drop of water. Like, just, but she, she just all of a sudden said, like this is the gospel that a nine, another nine-year-old told a five-year-old that stuck with me and blazed in me. She just pointed and said, that's what hell will be like. And I was kind of like, well, like, 
what are you talking about? So she started saying, well, you have to believe in Jesus to go to heaven or else, you know, you're separated from. That was the sole gospel I heard that night. And from that day on, when I went to back to that house, almost like OCD, that so captured my attention because of the Holy Spirit, the way he surrounds like a little nugget, like a little mustard seed that can get in. I had like almost OCD saying, I love God and Jesus, I hate the devil. I love God and Jesus, I hate the devil. I love God and Jesus. And it almost like bothered me as a kid, actually, like, because I was doing it so much. I was digging a hole in our backyard one day. I was like, eh, that's deep enough. Like, I don't want to like tap into hell. Yeah, so it was, you know, for, <laughs> so it was like a spirit, truly, of the fear of the Lord that came on me, like just from her sharing that. And in the middle of the night, one night, my grandma and my sister showed up and said, hey, you've got, we've got to go. Guess whose house I got to be taken into and to be raised by and to be discipled and to be ministered to? It was Christina's family, my aunt and uncle. So they actually took me in. And um, kind of the cool thing at our church, there was a lady named Bev who ran the children's ministry. And it was like kids of the king. You know, we do this worship and put on these musicals and stuff. She told me when, when I was in high school, she said, Eric, did you know when you were living back at that house in West Carrollton? She said, I lived on the corner of that house. And she said, I was the one that used to call the cops for the crazy parties that were going on over there. And she said, I used to see you walking back and forth to um, kindergarten. And she said, I would just pray for you that like God would like protect you because there's no way, you know, like for things to turn out well for that house. So I just think like, Part of evangelism is having a heart for and praying for the lost. And, and I think Jesus said, you know, he said to us, he said this to me, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So I wanna encourage you. I mean, did you realize every single day on planet earth, there's 150,000 people that die and that pass away and it's like, that could be people, who knows, you know, portion of those know God, believe in God, but a portion don't. And it's like, God's gonna be fair on judgment day, but it's just kind of wild to think there's probably, you know, young people in that old, probably none of them expecting to die that day, think it was gonna be the next day. And it says in Romans, how will they believe if they haven't heard? How will they hear if someone doesn't preach it <laughs> to that person so there really needs to be, I think, a willingness on our end, like it says in James, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. If we hear it and we can recite it and we can say it, but we're not doing it, then that's actually like, it says they're deceived. Like it doesn't really count towards anything to know what to do, uh, but to not actually do it. So in just a second, we're gonna have a couple verses up here. And what I'm gonna do as they share these scriptures, we have actually commandments in the Bible to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith. So as we do these scriptures, just between you and the Lord, I want you to kind of consider like, is that me? Like, can I say that actual scripture? Am I doing this actual scripture? And just ask the Holy Spirit to work in us. Um, to give us the desire to actually do that thing. And just a quick thing before we're gonna do um, that first scripture. In the Psalms, we see a lot of times there'll be a passage, it'll say something profound, and then it will say this word, Selah. 
which you know essentially means stop, ponder, and think about that. Well, a cool thing I read about that, it actually, part of that means they would stop for the musicians to retune their instruments. Like if they're gonna do a key change or if something's gotten out to tune it. So I want you to think of that as we're gonna look at these three scriptures. Um, allow the Holy Spirit to make a tune, to make an adjustment there. Um, so, so if you guys wanna put up that first scripture. Okay, and the specific part I really wanna think on is can I say to myself, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel? Does it bother me if I've gone weeks without sharing the good news with somebody? Okay, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Okay, so we can keep that up. And Joy and I were talking about this scripture. It's interesting how the Holy Spirit ministered to us both differently. One of us felt like that was saying, preach the word in season and out of season, meaning, who I feel like it or I don't feel like it. Either way, you know, share the word, preach the word. And the other one of us felt like, oh, no, no, that's for another person. Are they in season or are they out of season? Like, preach the word, plant that thing in them. And I think that's a cool thing that God does with marriage to bring two perspectives and make a full, because or make a full picture uh, one, one way or the other. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> okay, you can go ahead and do the third one. So now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I just, like in that moment, like can we feel or can we submit or can we yield to this statement that God is pleading through us to people to be, um, you know, to be reconciled to God? You know, there was part of the reason why I, I kept a beard on this morning is because I just got back from a camping trip with uh, several of the guys from the Forge. It's kind of to honor you guys and what a life-changing weekend that's been for me. But one of the guys said something really amazing because he had thought he didn't want to have children, but he met a couple that said that the husband and wife's love for one another was so deep that they just felt like we can't contain it between the two of us. Like we need to, like he ended up having a lot of children because we need to have somebody to show that love into and bring them into. And I think of God in heaven knitting together every single baby in their mother's womb God's heart is, this is my opportunity. Like, there's not just enough of God's love, you know, for him in heaven. Like, no, he needs to pour that out to these people. And then he gives us this awesome responsibility to, you know, actually stand out, you know, to actually say something to a person, share the gospel with a person. So, and as far as part of the thing with sharing the gospel is it is a message of urgency. You know, this is a thing, like I said, people are dying every day. Um, and when Joy and I, we just moved earlier this year, and we were very blessed. I don't call them my mother and father-in-law. It's my mother and father-in-love because they are fantastic, and they let us stay there. Well, I'd wanted to buy a trailer um, so we could store our stuff while we are at their house just for the sake of space. So finally, Craigslist called a guy. It was a really good price. He said, if you come out today, you can get it for such and such. I was like, oh, Fantastic. 
So I went, you know, I was talking to him. It's pretty early in the pandemic. You know, he had the mask on. You know, he's, you could, I could just tell he's, old, he's a little, you know, nervous about, about things. Well, we just started talking and he shared he had just lost his wife and he's selling, you know, this trailer. Well, I asked, you know, I shared my testimony just briefly. We were driving around. I was um, trying the trailer out. I just asked him if I could pray for him. And he just like stopped right where we were at because we had come back to his house. And this was like a gruff guy. He'd actually done construction work his whole life. And he was into his, you know, 50s or 60s. You can tell he's very hardened, you know, just austerely, like because he just was very strong. He'd done it in other continents. Well, just as I was praying for him, I just allowed like the Holy Spirit to just start pouring through, like, you know, suicide would go from him, you know, these different, just praying. And this man was just like weeping. And as soon as he said amen, he just like looked up and it was like there was hope, kind of like a fire in his eyes. He was like, I need to get back to the Lord. Like, this is it, I'm done. Like, so it's like, oh, praise God, it's an amazing thing. Well, the next day, Joy and I got a phone call and it was a lady's voice and she said, did you buy a trailer yesterday? And I you know, kind of started feeling a little nervous. Like, yeah, well, who's this? Well, she said, that was my brother. And I could tell she was crying. And she said, he was so, like, he was going to come to your guys' church. He wanted to come, like, do this homeless ministry, all this. She said, I have been praying for him for years. And she said, he called me up afterwards, so excited, like, on fire for the Lord. She went to visit him the next morning, and she actually found him on the ground, dead from a heart attack. But she said, I know he's in heaven just because of, like, that interaction that we, you know, have. Like, praise to God be the glory. So I guess I'm just gonna share this last scripture and I've saved the best part for last because Brother Mitch, who's one of the best doers of the word in this, I mean, honestly, if I wanna know what it looks like for a scripture that's a challenge to me, I'll ask Mitch and he'll just, he has a lot of experience. So he's gonna share a testimony as well as a kind of exhortation to us uh, as a group. And I know Pastor Matt, you're gonna say a little something after that. Actually, before the scripture, I felt like kind of a step of boldness for me when we were worshiping. I felt like God showed me a vision. And so that wasn't something that was in, I'd written down. But what I just felt like is sometimes when we're worshiping and we're inside of our rows, like for me, sometimes I just feel like, oh, I'm about to like explode. Like, you know, I like need to step out. There were people today, I think it was their first time stepping out of the row just to kind of like release themselves and worship. And what I felt like the Lord was saying is, there's gonna, what if Joshua had stepped out to do this kind of different thing for the Lord encircling the city and nobody had followed him? You know what I mean? Like, what would happen if he just did that by himself? And I felt this vision of when people step out of these aisles to glorify God, whether it's with the dance or just they're doing something, they're just moving somewhere differently. That's kind of like, what did the disciples who stayed in the boat feel like when they saw Peter out on the water with Jesus? Were they thinking, oh, well, that's favoritism? Or did they not even consider, well, we can do this too? So what I just wanna encourage um, us as a congregation for the places that God is taking us, when we see somebody step out in any kind of sort of way, like a new way, that's like a picture of Joshua for us, and we have the choice whether like, are we gonna follow that person and giving God glory? Are we gonna let them walk by themselves? Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. 
For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.